Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. International Partners Incorporated third quarter 2020 earnings call. All lines have been placed on a listen-only mode and the floor will be open for questions and comments following the presentation. If you should require assistance throughout the conference, please press star zero on your telephone keypad to reach a live operator. At this time, it is my pleasure to turn the floor over to your host, Anne Saxton. Ma'am, the floor is yours. Thank you, Kat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our conference call to discuss our third quarter 2020 results. This call is also being broadcast live over the web and can be accessed in the investor section of the Trilogy International Partners website. Joining me today are Trilogy's President and CEO, Brad Horwitz, and Trilogy's Senior Vice President and CFO, Eric Mickles. This call includes forward-looking information from which our actual results may differ materially. For further information regarding the various factors, assumptions, and risks, that could cause our actual results to differ, please review the cautionary language in the About Forward-Looking Information section of yesterday's press release, as well as the cautionary note regarding forward-looking statements and the risk factors in our 2019 annual report on Form 20F, available on both CEDAR and EDGAR. This forward-looking information represents our expectations as of today and, accordingly, is subject to change. We disclaim any obligation to update forward-looking information except as required by law. Please also refer to yesterday's press release for definitions and reconciliations of any non-GAAP measures that we use during today's call. The press release is posted on our website at trilogy-international.com under the Investors tab. I will now turn the call over to Brad Horowitz, President and CEO of Trilogy International Partners. Thanks, Anne, and hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our third quarter call. Today, I'll provide you with an update on our businesses and their operating environments, and then Eric will take you through our third quarter performance and outlook. Overall, we're pleased with our third quarter results. Bolivia is beginning to recover from its strict quarantine measures, and Nueva Tell's results, though weak in comparison to pre-pandemic performance, are slowly improving. Significantly, two degrees has weathered the pandemic extremely well, posting its best ever quarterly performance on several key financial metrics. While the COVID-19 pandemic is by no means behind us, our operations and the communities we serve have largely adopted the way we live and work to the new parameters and restrictions imposed by the virus. Our networks continue to provide the critical infrastructure to make these adjustments to our professional, educational, and social lives possible. The proactive measures we took to prepare for the pandemic early in the, earlier in the year underpin the resilience of our businesses and help lay the groundwork for our continued strong performance in New Zealand. Moving on to specifics by market, starting with New Zealand, the government's management of COVID-19 remains diligent and responsive. By early October, more than 1 million COVID tests had been processed by the Ministry of Health. On our last call in early August, we noted a small new outbreak which resulted in the country in re-entering various stages of lockdown from August 12th through October 7th. 
Auckland went to a level three status, which required the closure of all retail channels, resulting in a significant reduction in consumer activity, while the balance of New Zealand went to level two. The entire country is now back to level one, and retail locations, movie theaters, and other businesses are now open. Even the rugby season with near-capacity crowds has resumed, although the international borders remain closed. As we anticipated, the New Zealand economy has slowed, though the economic slump to date is shallower than originally anticipated. Government stimulus, including wage support, which was provided through much of September, and mortgage forgiveness, which is slated to continue through March of next year, have softened the blow for many. Even so, continued uncertainty has influenced customer behavior, with store traffic significantly reduced. With respect to our business, despite government restrictions on the mobility of consumers and workers, Q3 was a record quarter for two degrees across a number of metrics, including subscriber revenues and adjusted EBITDA. While activations were significantly below pre-COVID levels due to retail closures and uncertainty around the economy and unemployment, churn remained in check and our postpaid base grew 3% sequentially. Shortly after quarter end, our postpaid subscriber base hit the half million mark. In addition to strong performance in our consumer business, our efforts in the B2B space continue to gain traction as New Zealand businesses seek new partners and solutions. In the year-to-date Q3, we have increased our business mobile base by almost 19% in September, and our mobile B2B subs surpassed the 100,000 mark and generated our highest B2B revenues to date. With only a 5% share in the B2B market today and increasing momentum in this $1.5 billion New Zealand dollar market, we are enthusiastic about our growth opportunities ahead. Our share of the New Zealand broadband market also continues at a strong clip, due in part to our increasing momentum in the B2B space. On the consumer side, demand continues due to the increased prevalence of working from home, in addition to the August launch of our broadband awareness campaign. This campaign features our original spokesman from our 2009 launch, Reef Darby, one of New Zealand's most popular actors. Significant runway remains on both the consumer and business side of this space. Our service revenues continue to improve and irrespective of the pandemic have grown year to date in all product lines as compared to the same period of 2019. Further, our subscriber revenues were a record 135.9 million New Zealand dollars, even with a decline in postpaid roaming revenues. A year ago, we simplified our prepaid plans, providing choices to customers who prefer to pay for mobile service in advance into new higher value plans which better match their needs. Our successful implementation of this strategy can be seen in our third quarter prepaid ARPU, which reached its highest level since 2012. As a result, our prepaid subscriber base, which at the end of September was 1% larger than a year ago, generated 6% higher revenues during the third quarter. This comparison is on an organic basis, which excludes the impact of fluctuations in currency and new revenue standard accounting. 
Our adjusted EBITDA in the third quarter was at another all-time high, benefiting from growth in our top line as well as OPEX decline. In addition to efficiencies that we have built into the business this year, our adjusted EBITDA was positively impacted by lower bad debt to date than we anticipated, as well as lower acquisition costs, which were a result from retail closures during the quarter. Looking ahead, we are focused on stimulating subscriber growth in the fourth quarter to position for 2021 as we continue to increase our scale in broadband and the B2B space, we see an evolution to fixed wireless, particularly given the fixed line cost structure in the market and the large number of households that are still using copper for connectivity, and in the future, a strong use case for 5G. Today, there are more than 1.7 million fixed broadband connections in New Zealand. Only 10% or so of these are via fixed wireless today. By 2023, this is projected to increase to approximately 20% of the fixed market. We have been in discussions with vendors and site acquisition for 5G continues. We have recently announced our plans to launch 5G by the end of 2021, which we believe dovetails well with the New Zealanders, New Zealanders needs, as well as the accessibility and availability of the 5G handsets and peripheral equipment. This will entail targeted investments in 5G infrastructure next year, and we believe that the timing is right for this opportunity. Before moving on, a word on New Zealand's recent elections, which were held in mid-October. The current Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, was re-elected to another term. We don't expect any major policy changes to our industry as a result. Turning now to Bolivia, where the third quarter continued to be defined by the impact of COVID-19. Government measures to contain the virus continue to be sporadic, often changing weekly, and they vary by region. The already fragile healthcare system is under significant pressure. Bolivia remains one of the top 10 countries in COVID-19 deaths per capita. The federal government declared an end to the official national quarantine on August 31st in advance of the October elections. This had the effect <clears throat> of reopening the economy, though evening curfews are still in effect and schools are still closed. With respect to our business, with more relaxed quarantine guidelines, our retail locations reopened and custom mobility has improved. Our postpaid activation stabilized around the middle of the third quarter with modest growth thereafter. This trend is muted in our third quarter results as in September, we disconnected delinquent postpaid customers who we had previously been <clears throat> required by law to leave on service on a free bare bones lifeline plan. As a result, our postpaid base was reduced by just over 20%, which was in line with our expectations. By way of comparison, in June, more than 50% of our postpaid base was delinquent and had been moved to the Lifeline plan, which therefore generated no revenue for us. On a more positive note, our high ARPU bring your own device customer base has increased 70% since the third quarter of 2019 and 25% since the first case of COVID was diagnosed in Bolivia. 
At the end of the third quarter, these wild plan customers made up 20% of our postpaid base. Our prepaid base stabilized in July, and the third quarter was our best quarter of net additions in over two years. Once the national quarantine was lifted, we began seeing more activity across this customer group, with prepaid ARPU higher than pre-COVID levels. While trends are moving in the right direction, promotions in the market remain conducive to customer spending. Operators provide generous data, data bonuses at activation, which customers optimize by activating multiple SIM cards as they chase the free data thereby inflating gross additions and subsequently churn. Demand for our fixed LTE products continues. We see continued opportunity with this product as fixed broadband penetration in Bolivia remains significantly below that of its Latin American peers. Our financial results in Bolivia have stabilized with an improving top line and continued discipline in spending and focus on operational efficiencies. To further support liquidity, Nuevatel successfully launched its first local bond offering in August, which will free up operating free cash flow to weather the current period of uncertainty. We view this as a great outcome. With respect to our operating environment, competition intensified during the third quarter, particularly in prepaid. All operators sought to offset the impact of lockdown as well as take advantage of additional liquidity provided by the government grants to much of the Bolivian populations. Promotions, once again, centered around data bonuses. Bolivia's long-delayed elections were held on October 18th. The MAS candidate, Luis Arce, won with a decisive 51% of the vote. While this was not the result that earlier polling had suggested, it was met peacefully across the country. Arce was formerly a finance minister under Evo Morales. He is broadly credited as the architect of Bolivia's economic growth and has worked closely with multilateral financial institutions such as the IMF. His leadership could provide the economic stability that Bolivia needs right now. Further, with the elections now behind us, this uncertainty has been removed from the market, and we expect to re-engage with interested parties who had put their investment plans on hold given both the spread of COVID-19 and the uncertainty surrounding the leadership of the country. We expect changes in all ministries, as well as a new head of the regulatory body, and presumably a new head of our competitor, state-owned Intel. Our strategic priorities remain unchanged, we remain enthusiastic about the runway for growth in New Zealand, and we will remain opportunistic in Bolivia. The issuance of $50 million in senior secured notes that we completed last month strengthens our balance sheet and will enable us to accelerate our investment in growth initiatives, such as 5G in New Zealand. With that, I'll turn you to Eric to take you through the numbers. Eric? Thanks, Brad, and hello, everyone. Before I go through the details, some comments on the key themes of the third quarter. First, despite COVID headwinds in the quarter, two degrees posted record levels of organic service revenue and adjusted EBITDA, which were up 6% and 14% respectively. Our financial results for the third quarter evidence the durability of our cash flows 
and we continue to be encouraged by the strength of the Two Degrees brand. Second, early in the pandemic, we talked about protecting cash flow through OPEX and CAPEX discipline. Due to proactive measures, Two Degrees increased free cash flow, which we define as EBITDA less capital expenditures, nearly 40% on a year-to-date basis. And finally, through successful initiatives in both Bolivia and New Zealand, we have bolstered cash liquidity across the system and ended the quarter with over $100 million of consolidated cash. And this is before the issuance of the $50 million notes in October, which I will cover later. With this strong cash profile, our businesses are well positioned to invest in growth initiatives and weather this ongoing period of COVID uncertainty. At a more detailed level, our consolidated business ended September with 3.1 million wireless subscribers. This is a 5% sequential increase as mobility improved in each of our markets compared to last quarter. Our postpaid wireless customer base as a percent of total wireless subscribers increased to 24.6% versus 23.3% a year ago, despite the net disconnection of approximately 69,000 postpaid customers in Bolivia who were on Lifeline plan during the national quarantine. Also in Bolivia, we put on over 200,000 prepaid subs during Q3, which is attributable to increased mobility and some pent-up demand following the quarantine period. Before I provide specifics on financial results, note that our reported results may be impacted by changes in U.S. GAAP accounting rules as well as foreign exchange fluctuations. Specifically, we implemented the new lease accounting standard in the first quarter of 2020 and the new revenue accounting standard, or NRS, in the first quarter of 2019. Note that prior periods were not recast for the new standards. From a comparability standpoint of our reported results, the year-over-year NRS headwinds for 2020 have averaged roughly U.S. $1 million per quarter in both New Zealand and Bolivia, or a combined $6 million on a year-to-date basis, as capitalized amounts from prior periods are amortized into commissions expense this year, per the new rules. Further, the year-over-year strengthening of the New Zealand dollar relative to the U.S. dollar also impacted our reported results in the third quarter, providing a 2% benefit. As such, where noted, we refer to results on an organic like-for-like basis, which is excluding the impact of accounting changes as well as foreign currency. We believe an organic perspective enhances comparability between periods. Our consolidated service revenues in the third quarter of $126.3 million decreased 7% year-over-year on an organic basis due to our reduced service revenues in Bolivia, which was partially offset by growth in our New Zealand subscriber revenues. On a sequential basis, however, our consolidated subscriber revenues grew 10%, due to increased revenue in both of our businesses compared to the second quarter. Our consolidated operating expenses in Q3, excluding cost of equipment sales, were $118.2 million. This was a decrease of 8% versus the same period last year on an organic basis due to lower activations and commercial activity in the quarter and continued OPEX discipline across our businesses. Our third quarter consolidated adjusted EBITDA was $27.9 million, a 12% decrease on an organic basis versus last year, as our 14% growth in New Zealand was more than offset 
by revenue compression and the resulting adjusted EBITDA decline in Bolivia. Sequentially, our Q3 consolidated adjusted EBITDA increased 2% on an organic basis. Our consolidated capital expenditures for Q3 were $15.4 million versus $23.4 million a year ago. At the end of September, our consolidated business had 2,567 sites on air. This is an increase in total sites of 7% compared to Q3 of 2019, nearly all of which provide LTE service. Turning now to our results by market, starting with New Zealand. COVID-related store closures and cautious consumer sentiment tempered our Q3 gross subscriber activations. However, strong B2B sales, coupled with historically low churn of less than 1%, drove a 6% year-over-year increase in postpaid net ads. Our postpaid mobile customers in New Zealand increased 8% year-over-year and now makes up 34% of our wireless customer base. At the end of Q3, we had 499,600 postpaid mobile customers, more than 100,000 of which were business customers as we continue to scale in B2B. In the third quarter, our prepaid count declined by approximately 1,400 due to mobility restrictions during the quarter, including the continued closure of international borders. Our fixed broadband base grew 26% year-over-year and 8% on a sequential basis to 128.5 thousand subscribers. Our Q3 service revenue in New Zealand increased 6% versus prior year on an organic basis, which again excludes the impact of foreign exchange and new accounting standards, driven by growth in prepaid and broadband revenue. At the product level, our postpaid revenues in the second quarter were 44.2 million. This was roughly flat versus Q2 Q3 2019 on an organic basis, as the benefit of our 8% larger postpaid base was offset by 8% ARPU compression over the same period, primarily due to the elimination of international roaming revenues. On a dollar basis, about a 1.9 million impact in the quarter on a year-over-year basis. Our Q3 prepaid revenues of $23.8 million increased 6% versus Q3 2019 on an organic basis, driven by a 5% increase in prepaid ARPU, with greater uptake of our higher-value plans. Our New Zealand broadband revenues in the third quarter of $21.9 million grew 23% versus the same period last year on an organic basis due to our 26% larger base and ARPU growth of 4%. Our adjusted EBITDA for Q3 in New Zealand was $29.5 million, a record high. On an organic basis, our adjusted EBITDA increased 14% versus Q3 2019. Our adjusted EBITDA margin in the third quarter was 32.3% versus 31.3% a year ago. Our margins were positively impacted by our year-over-year top-line growth as well as our continued focus on operating efficiency and discipline. Our cost of service increased by $4 million, or 14%, primarily due to an increase in transmission expense associated with the growth in broadband subscribers and an increase in interconnection costs associated with a higher volume of network voice traffic terminating outside of our network. 
These increases were partially offset by a net decline in our combined network sharing and national roaming cost. Sales and marketing expenses decreased $1.5 million, primarily in advertising and sponsorship costs. G&A expenses were flat as bad debt expense declined by $1.1 million as a result of accounts receivable collection efforts and an improved credit risk of our customer portfolio. Additionally, there were declines in business taxes, partially offset by increases in computer maintenance costs and other individually insignificant items. Our Q3 capital expenditures in New Zealand were $13.4 million, down 28% on an organic basis compared to last year. This decrease was due to proactive measures to conserve cash, including deferring some projects into 2021. Our capital intensity was under 15% in Q3 compared to 21% a year ago, again on an organic basis. We ended September with 1,256 LTE sites on air in New Zealand, an increase of 114 year over year. Our total site count in New Zealand at the end of Q3 was 1,308. This total includes 66 rural broadband initiative sites, which we began to include in our site count this quarter. Shifting to Bolivia, we ended Q3 with 1.6 million wireless subscribers. As Brad noted, quarantine conditions continue to fluctuate based on infection levels and government mandates, but with improved mobility in Q3 as compared to Q2. We ended the latest quarter with 143,500 wireless net additions. This figure includes the impact of 69,000 postpaid net disconnects resulting from the termination of the Lifeline plan in September. We ended the quarter with 255,000 postpaid mobile customers after the Lifeline disconnects. We added almost 1,800 fixed LTE customers in Q3. Net of lifeline disconnects in the quarter, our fixed LTE base increased 12% sequentially. We now have 16,300 fixed LTE customers. We had 201.8,000 net prepaid additions in Bolivia, bringing our prepaid subcount to approximately 1.3 million. Our Q3 service revenues in Bolivia declined 30% on an organic basis versus Q3 of 2019 due primarily to decreases in prepaid revenues. This is primarily attributable to a decline in our subscriber base, as well as competitive pressures within the market. Additionally, revenues were affected by restrictions mandated by the Bolivian government as a result of the pandemic, which limited customer movement and minimized customer mobile needs, limiting access to distribution channels. Voice usage and corresponding revenue also decreased during the quarter due to lack of mobility in the COVID lockdown environment. Our fixed LTE service revenues were over 700,000 in the third quarter, up over 100% on a larger base than a year ago. Our year-to-date fixed LTE revenues of 2.1 million are more than two times last year. Our postpaid ARPU in Bolivia decreased 10% on an organic basis versus Q3 2019 to $19.13 due to a decrease in voice usage during quarantine. Our fixed LTE ARPU was $16.05 for the third quarter. 
prepaid ARPU was also impacted by quarantine measures and decreased 12% compared to prior year. The increased customer movement in Bolivia in Q3 versus Q2 is reflected in improving data and MOU usage and revenue trends. Prepaid ARPU grew 25% sequentially, resulting in an 18% growth over Q2 in our prepaid revenues in the third quarter. Further, from a positive trajectory standpoint, we note sequential service revenues increased 5% in both September and October. And while there continues to be noise in the subscriber and ARPU figures, the core service revenue trend is encouraging. Our Q through adjusted EBITDA in Bolivia declined significantly compared to last year as our reduced revenues were only partially offset by our cost reduction measures. Capital expenditures in Bolivia decreased year over year to $2 million in the third quarter as we continue to focus on preserving cash. Moving to our consolidated cash and liquidity position, at the end of Q3, our consolidated cash balance was $104.9 million in cash and cash equivalents, up from $68.4 million at the end of June. $51.5 million was held by Two Degrees, $46.5 million was held by Nuevatel, and the balance was held at corporate. During the third quarter, Two Degrees drew down $20 million New Zealand dollars under their working capital line as part of its $285 million New Zealand dollar facility. Also, during the quarter, Nuevatel issued $20.1 million in debt under two local bond series, which are denominated in local currency. The proceeds were used to pay off near-term maturities and will fund future required CapEx. The Bolivian bonds were issued in two tranches, which is common structure in Bolivia. The first Bolivian bond has an interest rate of 5.8% and matures in 2025. The second has an interest rate of 6.5% and matures in 2028. As importantly, whereas amortizing loans are common in Bolivia, payments on the new debt are interest only until 2024. With respect to our broader capital structure, consolidated debt at the end of Q3 including $350 million of Trilogy's hold co-notes plus local debt and other, was $597.8 million. As of September, our $285 million senior facility in New Zealand was fully drawn. In Bolivia, at the end of September, our debt outstanding totaled $38.1 million, which includes $4.6 million related to prior tranches of the tower sale leaseback which was closed in 2019. From a consolidated gearing standpoint, net debt to consolidated LTM adjusted EBITDA was 4.5 times at September 30 versus 3.0 times a year ago. At the operating subsidiary level, both of our companies remain under levered from a debt to adjusted EBITDA standpoint. New Zealand and Bolivia have a reasonable margin of compliance on their debt covenants. From a resource allocation standpoint, we continue to be focused on balancing the needs of our businesses while protecting the balance sheet. As we previously announced, Trilogy issued 50 million of new notes last month, evidencing strong support from our largest bondholders and our founding shareholders. The successful offering of the 50 million notes enables us to fund debt service costs at the hold co level 
thus minimizing the need for significant dividends from the operating companies in the near term. Regarding cost of capital, we note that the coupon on the new debt is 10%. Further, with this cash infusion at the hold co-level, the company does not need to incur the upstream leakage to minority partners or withholding taxes, as is the case with dividends. The, ma the maturity date of the new notes is May of 2022, consistent with our existing hold co notes. Before moving to questions, a couple comments on Outlook. We discussed on our last call that potential COVID-related headwinds could pressure two degrees adjusted EBITDA in 2H 2020. While we are pleased with our Q3 results at two degrees, which exceeded expectations, the broader COVID-related risks remain for Q4 and into 2021. Specifically, gross ad levels remain muted due to lower retail traffic and postpaid ARPU remains under pressure due to continued roaming revenue declines and customer plan re-rating. Further, as government stimulus programs phase out, there is increased risk that broader economic weakness could translate to potentially higher bad debt expense. Notwithstanding the ongoing COVID risks, we are encouraged that efficiency initiatives will continue to provide margin benefit. Strategic planning for FY 2021, which includes planning for a 5G launch late in the year in New Zealand, we continue to be encouraged by the New Zealand telco market opportunity and are focused on initiatives to accelerate our growth there. From a CapEx funding standpoint, two, de two degrees liquidity profile is strong. Debt leverage remains low, cash balances are high, and free cash generation continues to increase. We will provide more details around investment as we move forward. Next, while the Bolivian operating environment remains more fluid, we are encouraged by the month-on-month -month improvements coming out of the COVID quarantines, which were listed at the end of August. We are also pleased with the outcome from the bond offering in Bolivia, which provides a liquidity boost to our business. We will continue to be disciplined around both capital and operating expenditures while further stabilizing the business. With that, let's go to questions. Kat? Thank you. The floor is now open for questions. If you do have a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad at this time. We ask that while posing your question, you hold your handset to provide favorable sound quality. To remove yourself from the queue, simply press 1. Again, ladies and gentlemen, it's star 1. Our first question comes from Jeff Van from Scotiabank. Go ahead, Jeff. Thanks. Good afternoon, everyone. A um, couple of questions on New Zealand to start off with. Uh, on the prepaid ARPU, Eric, you mentioned it was uh, quite strong this quarter. I think you said it was up 5% ex-currency. Um, is this sustainable, or was it just because of any sort of post-lockdown spike? Um, so I wonder if you can provide some comments on that. And then um, the second thing is just on the B2B. Um, what do you think are the, the factors that are driving um, some of your success in D2D, I guess, both in wireless and broadband. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, I'll take the first, and Brad will uh, jump in on the B2B question. Uh, first, in terms of prepaid ARPU, uh, you know, a move we made several quarters ago was uh, rolling out higher-value uh, prepaid plans. 
given some customers in New Zealand, uh, they prefer the flexibility of a month-to-month prepaid approach. We have seen a slow migration and take-up of those higher prepaid um, ARPU plans. Uh, that momentum was uh, really accelerated uh, in the work-from-home environment. Uh, so I, I would say there is a, a seasonality uh, element to that as customers really stepped into those higher ARPU uh, prepaid plans. So a continuation of an ongoing trend, uh, but some of that was stimulated uh, in recent months. Great. Yeah, hi, Jeff. It's Brad. Um, on the B2B space, uh, you know, a couple of things I, I would point out. Firstly, about a year ago or so, uh, we dramatically strengthened the organization uh, by bringing in uh, a new head of, of business sales, a guy named Andrew Fairgay, um, who used to have, I believe, a similar role with Vodafone, but a very experienced uh, guy. Um, uh, in dealing with uh, both the SME as, as well as the enterprise space. And for the first six months or so of this coming on board, you know, we pretty much restructured uh, and refocused the organization to better, to better penetrate that second. And then secondly, I think that we've gotten, we've gotten our, our knowledge, skills, uh, and base have increased, you know, in areas such as cloud, cloud offerings, PBX service offerings and such, that we're, be, that we're able to better address whatever the specific needs are. And while we may not have some of that capability uh, in-house, you know, we've got strategic partners in the marketplace. So in effect, we front, you know, more of a full solution uh, for the customers. And that's starting to, that's starting to rebound uh, very well with the performance we're having in, the, uh, in that segment. Thanks, Brad. Uh, maybe I'll keep... Uh keep you going here for a second on Bolivia. Um, now that the election's over, um, it looks like there's been uh, limited disruption anyways post-election. Um, cases seem to be coming down, and, um, and it looks like the lockdowns and quarantines are, are being relaxed. Um, turning over to the strategic conversations that you may have been having you know, prior to everything that happened in Bolivia in the past year or so, um, how optimistic are you that some of those conversations can be started, and 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 how long do you think that process is going to take? Um, if we're thinking about this from from you know from the investors' perspective, thanks. No, oh, you bet. Um, well, actually, uh, some of the conversations have uh, have started. Um, it was. Uh, uh, when we actually, when we issued the uh, uh, the note describing the the fifty million dollar debt uh, basket that we put into place, we also referenced in that note uh, that we had received a, a waiver um, for uh, I, I believe it was phrased as a as a non cash uh, transaction, you know, in Bolivia to facilitate some creative structures that some folks, you know, had had come up with. I think that, you know, it's an early stage of re-engagement, I guess is how I would characterize it. I think that there is still um, folks waiting to see what the new, <clears throat> what the new cabinet uh, is going to look like, and in particular, what the new head of the regulatory uh, branch and the new, uh, and the minister that, that has telecom um, as his portfolio. 
And I think that's going to help give you know people a sense on uh, various compliance factors that we've been trying to get the regula uh, regulator to force um, upon Intel, as well as potentially uh, get a, a better lay of the land in a scenario, you know, you know, in a potential scenario where there'd be market consolidation, uh, as well, or instead of, or in addition to a new entrant coming in. But my guess is that that will get fleshed out. Uh, the new cabinet and everybody, all the players will be in place, um, I believe, uh, certainly by the end of this year. And, you know, our hope is to certainly, you know, narrow things down and try and move forward, you know, in the first quarter of the year. Thanks, Brad. And maybe just a final question for Eric on the on, uh, question on capital structure. Um, you know, if, if Bolivia is, uh, is not in the picture, um, how do you think about the capital structure of the, the pieces that are left? Um, you, you've taken on this extra $50 million, what effectively is Holdco uh, notes. Um, what, is, what do you think is going to be the most optimal capital ownership structure um, with, the, with the Holdco and also with two degrees um, going forward? Uh, great. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, first, uh, I'll comment in, in regards to the, the 50 million issuance, which we completed last month. Uh, you know, that was a constructive process, and, and we're really encouraged by the, the strong support uh, from you know, our largest existing bondholders. You know, so, from a capital structure standpoint, uh, you know, first step for us is, is thinking about the, the refinance of the hold co notes. Uh, we've talked about being opportunistic, you know, as it relates to timing. Uh, clearly, COVID has been, a, has been a bit of an overhang and has paused things to some degree. Uh, however, the record quarter in New Zealand, you know, that evidences you know, the durability of their cash flows and the market opportunity. Uh, you know, we've all been closely watching the election. Uh, as Brad mentioned, you know, things can pick back up. Uh, and uh, you know, clearly something there uh, would be a, a very positive catalyst uh, for us in terms of refinancing and broader capital structure considerations. Uh, you know, also looking at, at some other initiatives uh, to potentially uh, facilitate uh, that refinance. Uh, and then, you know, in terms of debt leverage metrics, you know, each additional quarter, uh, you know, New Zealand's growth is helpful. Uh, so that's positive. Uh, we're focused on uh, getting that refinance, getting something done uh, prior to May of 2021, uh, given the May 2022 maturity. Uh, and then we'll think about, uh, you know, next steps from there. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Jeff. Again, ladies and gentlemen, it's star one to ask a question. Our next question comes from Bentley Cross from TD Securities. Go ahead, Bentley. Maybe first, just a clarification. Uh, Brad, in your script, you talked about um, Bolivian ARPU being up relative to pre-COVID. Did I read that right? And can you kind of give us an October ARPU number? On the prepaid side, there. You know, on ARPU's Bentley, I you know, there's a lot of noise and, and choppiness in those numbers, and you know, I wouldn't read too much into it. You know, you have the, the timing of disconnects, uh, and and then subsequent reconnects, and how that can uh, you know move things around. Uh, you know, I, I think what I would focus on uh, is the sequential increase in prepaid ARPU. I believe we said it was uh, around 20 percent. 
uh, Q2 to Q3, uh, and we see uh, additional strength moving into October. Uh, so I, I think going, going in the right direction, but continues to be some, some noise in those numbers. And somewhat related, your friends over at Millicom seem to suggest that the environment improved rather drastically uh, since the election, but the impression I got from you guys is that it was not quite as exciting. Just kind of wondering if you can reconcile your comments relative to those of uh, Mauricio at, at Millicom and maybe just provide some additional color on the oblivion environment in general. Oh, sure. Sure. No, obviously we, we, uh, we notice those things as well. I, I think what it really, you know, sort of points out is if you look at the market, you know, this there, you know, Millicom has had a um, robust uh, full service package, you know, with broadband, with content, um, and with mobile. And I think in their deployment, as they, as they deployed their fiber, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, they, you know, rightly so, have targeted, you know, the best neighborhoods and really the best demographics uh, that are in the marketplace. And so, you know, while everybody was impacted, um, I think Millicom, it's fair to say, you know, has a, has a, uh, a, a higher share of, um, for lack of a better term, quality, quality households um, who have been able to, better able to withstand uh, the economic impact uh, that's hit the country. And obviously with bundled services, you know, that has a, you know, that always has a, uh, an impact on the churn. But I think that the, uh, it's, it's really a factor to the quality of their customer base who have multiple services uh, from them was the key differentiator. Okay. And last one for me, Brad, you talked about um, 2021 being a year of investment, if I can paraphrase, for New Zealand. Uh, should I read that to be that we should expect CapEx to trend back up? Well, we've got, you know, the, the challenge, not the challenge, the reality is, um, you know, it's going to take a uh, close to certainly the first three quarters of the year. Um, we announced that we would be launching 5G uh, towards the end of the year. And so all of the investment that uh, uh, that's relates to 5G, you know, really isn't going to have any revenue associated with it, you know, until just the tail end of the fourth quarter. So that 5G capital is, is incremental to what our normal to what our normal run rate uh, would be there. And we're continuing, you know, as well as, you know, we we've been able to see some significant success from the investments we've made in digitalization um, in the company in terms of operating efficiencies and everything else. And with COVID still being in existence and continuing, you know, we're going to continue to invest pretty significantly uh, in enhancing our online, uh, our online platforms to facilitate ease of acquisition um, on all product lines going forward. So it's really sort of preparing, uh, preparing both for 5G um, as well as an extended runway into 22 and 23 and beyond. Thanks for the color. You bet. And that appears to be our last question of the day. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude today's conference. We thank you for your participation. You may disconnect your lines at this time and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.